This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit walkwiththeking.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening. All right, thank you very much. And hello again, radio friends. How in the world are you? Well, of course I wait for you to answer. Some of you say, don't ask. One lady said, when I asked her that, she said, yuck. <laughs> well, some days are that way, aren't they? Yeah, you can't always guarantee that it's going to be coming up roses. But you can guarantee that he hath said, I will never, never, that is, leave thee nor forsake thee. He's there. Yea, though I walk through the valley, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And so your blessed Lord is with you no matter what the circumstances this very minute, and you can trust in him. Trust him, trust him. He see you through. Well, you and I are looking at the 10th chapter of Mark. Uh, I stopped just before we got into verse 31. I wanted to comment on that just for a moment with you. May I? It said, many that are first shall be last and the last first. The Lord Jesus said that in a couple of different places as recorded in the Gospels. So that it is an important truth that he wants us to remember. Now, this whole matter of being first um, is commented upon in Mark 9.35. Jesus sat down, called the twelve, and said unto them, If any man desire to be first, see, by the way, it said they had disputed among themselves who should be greatest. So he says, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. Last of all, yeah, that word last is uh, related to our English word eschatology, last things. He's going to come last in line. It always bothered me a little when we had, while I was serving as president of the college, we had our Saturday night smirkusboards during the, during the summer. And uh, the, the dear gracious people who uh, were in charge of uh, those events would always come to my table, the president's table, right after grace had been said and usher us up to the smorgasbord first. And I winced every time. You don't like to make a scene about it, but uh, it just bothered me to be the first up. And I knew that it bothered others. You know how I know? <laughs> I'll let you in on a little laugh. We went to a wedding reception one year and, uh, it was a beautiful wedding, and the reception was held afterwards, and they had a kind of a sit-down smorgasbord thing. Uh, and so, obviously, the bride and groom and the bride's family and the groom's family uh, went up to the uh, the buffet table first. And <laughs> as as the as the as the groom's mother went by me, she leaned over and said, with a malicious twinkle in her eye. Yeah, you got to wait this time. Ah, dear. <laughs> Isn't that something? Well, this whole matter being first is is just pure human nature. My old deacon, uh, John Houtkamp, used to tell me in the Pennsylvania Dutch dialect, es kam ich, den kam ich nach ein mal, den kamst du lange nicht. First me, then me, after that you, but not for a long time. That's human nature. But Jesus said, you got to get last in line. Let the other people go first. Eskatos, last, last things, last people, last one in line. 
And then he goes on to make it even more demanding. It says, servant of all. Now, that's related to our English word deacon. Service of that kind is diakonia. A servant is one who meets a need when it exists, who serves to meet a need where it exists. He says, if you want to be first, if you want people to appreciate you, if you want real greatness, he says, let other people go first and you meet their needs where you see the need is existing. I have a little saying, sort of a cookism, you're only secure as long as you're needed. And you're only needed by other people as long as you're helping to meet their needs. Now, business found that out long ago. They used to talk about sales. When I was a boy, they talked about selling. Now they talk about marketing. What's the difference? Selling says, we got a million widgets. Get out there and peddle them. Sell them. Marketing says, what do people need? Let's, let's manufacture something that will meet their need. You see the difference? And our Lord Jesus Christ, two millennia ago, said, you better specialize. If you want to be, if you want to be appreciated, if you want real greatness, you better specialize in meeting people's needs. Now, that works every day in the, mar- in the marketplace, in the office, the shop, the home. Look around you. You'll always see some things that need doing. You'll always see some place where you can help. I have friends today who are my friends because I offered to carry some suitcases one day when they arrived at the college. And uh, I saw them struggling with all that baggage at the front door. I said, here, let me give you a hand. And I, I grabbed a couple of suitcases and then came back for more and put them inside the front door. <laughs> they said, who are you? <laughs> I said, oh, I'm just the janitor. And I walked away laughing. And they went down the hall and said to Roy McCandless, we just met your janitor. What a helpful man. <laughs> well, look around you. You'll find there are things in the office. Now, one of the one of the bugaboos of office and shop work is that people say, I'm not going to do that. That isn't my job. It's not in my job description. I'm not going to help you. That isn't my job. I heard that just the other day. Somebody was was saying it under his breath while refusing to help somebody else. Well, your job description be hanged. That isn't what's important. What is important is that you lend a hand to somebody who's struggling with an impossible task or an impossible deadline, and you give some help even though it's not in your department. Be willing to pitch in. My old boss, Vic Corey, sent me to 10 weeks of of, uh, night classes on what was called human engineering. The one theme that the man pounded away on all through those weeks was this, go cheerfully out of your way to help others without being asked. That was his theme, and he worked on it and came at it from so many different angles until we were unable to forget that the key to management is helpfulness. And the key to being appreciated and to to be uh, considered great, the key to leadership is helpfulness. You want to think about that for a while and maybe pray about it in connection with your own life? I can tell you it will make a difference. The first, he said, will be last and the last first. There will be people sitting on the front seat in heaven's assemblage that you never thought amounted to anything.
but God said they're important. Right? Well, I wanted to comment on that because I think it has value for all of us. Certainly it does for me. I have to relearn these lessons day by day as I share them with you. Now, verse 32 of Mark chapter 10 says, They were in the way going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus went before them. And they were amazed, and as they followed, they were afraid. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? This is human nature reaction to the things of eternity. What had he been telling them? He'd been telling them that if you, if you trust in money and the things it can buy, you're going to have a hard time getting real with God. That's what it says they were astonished out of measure. Then he said, it does cost something to follow me, but it'll pay off in this life and in the life to come. But he says the order of importance may be surprising because he says some people who are first here will be last there and vice versa. Now it says they were amazed. Why should it amaze me when Jesus says something that has to do with, with the eternal issues and eternal life. Well, simply because I'm not used to thinking in those terms. The, the rich young ruler, get rid of your money because that's your idol. Idolatry, the great issue before us even today. You don't have any golden calf before which you bow down, but there may be some thing or some person or some relationship which you are putting ahead of God. That's idolatry. And he says you'll have a hard time getting real with God unless you take out of the way that which stands in the position of trust in your life. Trust, he said in Riches. Whatever you trust aside from God is idolatry. Get rid of it, said he. And then he said, yes, there's a, there's a price to be paid, and it may involve putting into second place house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the Gospels. But he says there's a payoff. And then, as I reminded you the other day, just before we went off the air, part of God's blessed payoff is the persecution. The opposition you get because you belong to Jesus is part of the payoff, not part of the penalty. You look at it that way, it said they departed from the, uh, from the assemblies rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. You'll find that in the book of Acts. Part of the payoff, not penalty, payoff. Part of the reward of being associated with the Lord Jesus is that they're going to oppose you because they opposed him. Marvel not if the world hates you before it hated me, before it hated you, Jesus said. You follow that? Now, with all of that, every, every one of these points is foreign to ordinary human thinking, isn't it? Every one of these points is foreign to ordinary human thinking. And so it says they were amazed. But it says, and as they followed, they were afraid. Why? Because when you start to contemplate the cost of serving Jesus, it shakes you up as well it might. It shakes you up. It says they were afraid. Now, what do you do about it? Well, perfect love casteth out fear. Get down before your Lord and renew your love for him, and you'll find that you're not afraid to follow him. The only time that I have been willing to yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit of God, no matter what the cost, has been the time when I've been waiting before God and he filled my heart with love for him so that I, I knew there wasn't any other alternative but to go his way, and I was glad to do so. 
Perfect love casteth out all fear. Get down before God and wait on him until your heart is tender toward God and you're not going to be afraid to follow him. All right? Now it says, as they followed, they were afraid. Two human nature reactions. What did he say to them? He took the twelve and began to tell them what things would happen to him. Now we'll run out of time before we can comment on this, but let's just start for a few seconds. We're going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall contemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles, and they, that is the Gentiles, shall mock him and scourge him, spit upon him and kill him, and the third day he shall rise again. Now there's no record of any response. Completely dead, so far as response was concerned, because they had been busy deciding who was going to be the greatest. They had been busy worrying about what the cost was of following Christ. The cross and the victory of it is always obscured by self-interest. Anytime you get interested in yourself, what's going to happen to me? What's going to be my position? Where will I be in the pecking order, etc., etc.? Anytime self-interest enters in, the message of the cross gets obscured. Dear Father, have your way with us today. Help us to put thee first. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.